1: This is a Lip Media podcast. Hello, and welcome to Off Topic, Hot Topic, a hunting season's bonus podcast where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV and entertainment world and discuss the stuff we've been watching, reading, playing, and generally consuming. I'm Demas Leary.
2: I'm Broderick Gordis.
1: Did I do that?
2: Off Topic, Hot Topic. <laughs> That's whatever you were talking about for you. Before we get into things, listeners, you should know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. News in fuller. Mm -hmm. I have scraped the bottom of the barrel. This came up, however, a while ago, months ago, I've saved it for now. Uh, from my Google alert for Brian Fuller.
1: Yes, brilliant.
2: Mm-hmm. So, for those who don't know, might be new to the podcast, Brian Fuller, renowned uh, showrunner, writer for TV, mm-hmm. often cancelled. Yes, currently has zero projects in the works. Mm-hmm. This is the headline I got in my inbox. Brian Fuller recently held a Q and A at the Kiama and District Historical Society. This comes via the Kiama Independent. Mister Fuller's great great grandparents. Emigrated to Australia from Ireland in the mid 1800s. The QA focused on the early economic history of Kiama, New South Wales, and the Fuller family's historic links to the Kiama community. This was a free event, and afternoon tea was provided. All were welcome. <laughs> that was my Brian Fuller update. <laughs> Headlines. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Let's so move really. on <laughs> to major headlines. That was mm. great news in full yeah. uh, the I just dr-
1: loved that. What was it? Lunch was provided?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was, that was that All were welcome.
2: Yeah. Uh, some headlines in the TV world and the entertainment world in general. The Dragon Prince season three will return to Netflix on November 22nd. Damascus, are you excited?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm so excited. So that gives you plenty of time to able to watch season one and two of Dragon Prince. Oh my God, I can't wait.
2: You've got about three weeks to do it.
1: That's right, plenty of time.
2: Uh, uh, what are you expecting from season three, out of interest?
1: Oh, just greatness.
2: Just greatness.
1: I don't know. Because uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Um, oh, I, no, I can't talk about it. Okay, yeah, sure. No theories be, right now. No, it's going to be good.
2: Okay. Uh, Netflix's The Witcher season one will release on December 20th. There's a new trailer for that as well. This is based on the series of fantasy novels. There was also a video game series based on it, but this is based on the books. Do you know anything about The Witcher, Damascus? No, I don't. Cool. It's got uh, Henry Cavill playing Geralt, I think, or Geralt.
1: Oh, I did see a picture of him on Twitter.
2: Yeah, with like the white hair and the yellow eyes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The trailer, good. I definitely recommend checking it out. I'm... I was actually surprised by how much I like the look of it.
0: Okay, cool. i uh,
2: no I've not played the games nor read the books. Uh CW shows Batwoman and Nancy Drew have been given full season orders extending both of their first seasons to twenty two episodes. You're a Batwoman fan.
1: Uh yeah, huge Batwoman fan. Um at one point we're gonna talk about it. This episode, because uh, I've watched a few more episodes, yeah, uh, not surprised that the CW has picked it up. Mostly because ninety nine percent of their programming apparently these superhero shows, so that makes sense.
2: On uh, superheroes, Spider Man into the Spider Verse mm. is getting a sequel. That's fucking it's been cool. Officially announced for twenty twenty two. That movie's it's so good. A long good. way away.
1: A movie is so fucking good. It
2: is so good.
1: Ah, oh, I'm so glad you exposed me to that because I, mean, I don't like Spider Man. Yeah. Very disinterested in Spider-Man. I've never I never liked any of the films. Like they're fine. I don't hate them, but I don't know. I just find Peter Parker pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. Um but this iteration is fucking great.
2: Very cool. I'm super excited. There's a suggestion that maybe we'll get up to 9 Spider-Man in this one, just based on some like Ooh. uh so the- cryptic tweets.
1: Magic ingredient is just to add more Spider-Man.
2: At always add yep. more Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I really want, and a few people have suggested this, I really want Spider-Man, Spider-Man to get into this mm-hmm. one. That's the Spider-Man that is Made thousands of spiders, of spiders yeah. who think they're Peter Parker. Yeah. That's the Spider-Man I want this one. <laughs> uh, before Apple TV Plus even launched, has now officially launched, uh Alternate history space race drama for all mankind, which we talked about on the last Off Topic Mm -hmm. Hot Topic, has been renewed for a second season.
1: Oh, okay.
2: I also want to clarify something that we discussed in that last Off Topic Hot Topic. Mm. We talked about The Morning Show Mm -hmm. or Morning Wars. It turns out that's the same show with different names. So, in the US, it's The Morning Show. Right. This is the one with... uh,
1: Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Yep. Yep.
2: And in Australia, at least, it's called Morning Wars. Anyway, it's already got, it already had mm. a second season order. So we asked the question, or you asked the question specifically: Is this going to go on for more than one season? Yeah, it is already yes. has one. It had mm. one, basically from the inception. It mm. already had at least two seasons. Cool. Right. So whether you call it the morning show or morning wars, is because is it because we have a show called the morning show? That's why they had to call it morning wars.
1: Maybe I don't know how that stuff works. It's
2: Good Morning America in America, right? Yeah, yeah, I reckon that's why, because we have a mm. show called Morning Show, that'll be uh, The Handmaid's Tale book sequel nabbed by Hulu. This is um, Margaret Atwood's The Testament. Uh, Hulu, who make The Handmaid's Tale TV, so show have nabbed the rights to that and are likely going to make an adaptation of that as well or at mm. least incorporate that story into The Handmaid's Tale going forth. That was reasonably big news. Have you read either The Handmaid's Tale or The Testament?
1: No, I think watching the show was depressing enough. Um, I... Didn't then want to read another iteration of it, I guess.
2: Uh, so, my partner Stephanie has.
1: Stephanie, are we calling her? St-
2: sure. Steph? <laughs> Steph? Fanny. So formal. Let's just show. call her Fanny. I've never called her Fanny before. I wonder if she'd Don't. I do that. I, might do I, that. I, I think
1: <laughs> it's, it's a great to idea say, to wo- Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad that's where we
2: got. Um, she's read both, and the Testaments recently came out. She was a massive fan of the Testaments and thought it was less depressing than oh, Hammer's Tale. Sorry, That's can we sure. just go back a little bit? Sure, sure.
1: When, like, you know, in books and stuff, when ca- a character is called Fanny. Yeah. Is, is that short for Stephanie?
2: I don't know if it's necessarily Stephanie okay. every time, but I think sometimes it might. I don't know.
1: Okay, interesting. Something to explore not, on Google later. It, it is now. <laughs> uh,
2: Coway Bebop, the, the uh, live-action Netflix series, has shut down production for seven to nine months.
1: They're having a baby.
2: Following star John Cho's onset injury. Less this fun, news okay comes via Nelly Andreva at Deadline. A little quote here. Sources describe the injury, which was to his knee, as a freak accident that happened on the last take of a routine and well-rehearsed scene almost two weeks ago. I like the routine and well-rehearsed scene. That's Mm. very like... Covering (laughs) their bums. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It requires surgery, for which Cho has been flown back to Los Angeles, because they were filming in New Zealand, and... And an extensive rehabilitation. Production shutdown is expected to last seven to nine months. The new filming schedule will be set once Cho's prognosis is clear. A few people have suggested that Mm. show is no longer happening because that is a massive production delay.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, That's
1: a long time. You think they'd have to recast or something.
2: You'd think about recasting. I guess they think the star power comes from him. Um, I also wonder, I'm surprised they got nothing else to film. Yeah, it's like, weird. For a show, I mean, it is quite character-centric, but they must have something they can do to mm. at least fill in a few months in there, you would think. Yeah. I just know not. that
1: the thought of a knee injury makes me want to vomit on myself. Oh, <laughs> no!
2: Watch some AFL football no. and you'll see some disastrous won't. injuries. Gross. Star Wars setback, Game of Thrones duo David Benioff and D.B. Weiss Exit Trilogy. Mm -hmm. This news comes (laughs) via Jeff Boucher at Deadline. Have you heard about this, Damask?
1: I have, because I have experienced the internet in the last couple of weeks, yeah.
2: There's been a lot of Benioff and Weiss going around. Anyway, I'll read from this article. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, the duo who in 2011 launched the singular screen sensation known as Game of Thrones, have walked away. Editorial. Mm. Walked away is already interesting. Yeah, A lot of questions about how true that is, maybe Mm -hmm. forced out the door, but... And yeah, we'll get to that. Have walked away from the much-publicized deal with Disney Lucasfilm to launch a feature film trilogy in 2022. Benioff and Wise was supposed to usher in the post-Skywalker era of the Star Wars brand with a 2022 new start story that would stake out a new frontier for the era-defining cin- cinema brand created by George Lucas. This is a very wordy article. The Emmy award-winning pair cited their historic deal with Netflix. Mm-hmm. They said their enthusiasm for Star Wars remains boundless... But regrettably, their schedule is full. Quote, we love Star Wars, the pair said in a statement to Deadline. When George Lucas built it, he built us too. Getting to talk about Star Wars with him and the current Star Wars team was the thrill of a lifetime. And we will always be indebted to the saga that changed everything. Uh, That 2022 release date made the benioff wise startup the next in line Star Wars installment following December's The Rise of Skywalker. Mm. How much do we believe that they walked away from making a trilogy of Star Wars films because of their Netflix deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, not at all. (laughs) Uh, But I found it really interesting because I think it was like the week before, maybe even just a few days before. The day
2: before. What? The Austin Film Festival stuff, the Q&A.
1: Oh, yeah, where they're like... um... We didn't know what we were doing. We had
2: no fucking clue what we were doing. Yeah, I found that very
1: interesting that that happened. And then, like, it was the day before? It was, like,
2: literally the day before. and
1: then the next day, like, oh, we've been taken off. (laughs) Well, that's not what they said, but pretty much we've been taken off Star Wars. Um, Look, as I've said, like, I'm happy for the next Star Wars to come out to be, like, the last one that I, like go to see the cinema probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't like, oh, these guys, they're going to ruin like Star Wars and I'm really invested in that situation. I'm not overly, um, but I did very much question their ability to create and carry a really cool story um, because we know what happened when they were given the full reigns of Game of Thrones um, and in crafting the ending of that.
2: And not having for the last few seasons, not just the last one. And nothing to adapt anymore.
1: Yes. So I think it's for those that are very enthusiastic and wanting the world to expand in in its cinematic universe and iteration. Um, I think it's probably great news for those people.
2: I think so as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens now. Apparently, this trilogy. Uh, the rumour is it would have been about the origins of the Jedi. So they would have been going back and really setting up mm-hmm. like how a lot of the lore of Star Wars that we came to know now came to be. Yeah, which big, is
1: hard to take back.
2: Very, very hard <laughs> yeah. to take back. Yeah. Uh, we can't take back the prequels and we know how much we mm-hmm. don't. Well, oh, don't want. Most people don't want those. Mm-hmm. Uh And apparently the decision to drop D&D was not helped by the ongoing Disney and Netflix streaming wars. More on that soon. Mm. So the question is, what happens to Star Wars now that they're not making the next movie? They were next in line. We did know that Ryan Johnson apparently had a trilogy in the works. Will that be bumped up and take over next? Will Ryan Johnson also be pushed out the door? Are they just like clean the slate and maybe going to give it a break for a bit and start again a little bit later down the track?
1: Maybe give like a person of colour or a woman a
2: chance to do something cool. That would be a cool idea. Mm. Maybe it's time for someone that's not a white man or a pair of white men yeah, to have I a think, go at Star Wars. I think
1: in 2019, we might just be on the cusp of letting women and people of colour opportunity to tell stories.
2: I would also yeah. I do want I to... Think,
1: I think they've earned it by po- now. Possibly. You know, as they should have.
2: Yeah. Um, you mentioned this fascinating D&D uh, panel. <laughs> when I say D&D, I mean David Weiss and DB. No, DB Weiss and David Benioff. Uh, the Austin Film Festival, I'll put a link to the an article all about that. Someone mm. recorded it via tweets. It is baffling and kind of, like, maddening to read them discuss just how much they completely fluked Game of Thrones mm. for years. Like, they absolutely asked it in for years. And it well,
1: probably- they didn't fluke in the sense that the material was all there. Like, all that, like, incredible dialogue, it's in the fucking book. Totally. So that, that, the structure of that story is the book's. It's when they didn't have that, mm. that incredible, like this very strong foundation and scaffolding. They didn't have anything. So, mm. uh,
2: so let's talk about Streaming Wars for a second. I don't want to dwell on this for too long because this is getting, there's so much of this going on. Mm. But Also, yes,
1: just on what we were talking about previously, perhaps if Fuller isn't going to be doing anything in the future, we're going to have to change it to D&D at the we beginning. We might. Oh. See, like, as If they keep falling over as often as they have been lately, that might be the new segment.
2: D&D, critical fail. Yeah, oh, we can find- Oh, that's good. No, it's actually stolen that from somebody else. <gasps> Sorry, Hoag. Uh, so, <laughs> Disney Plus launch titles. So, Disney Plus is literally days away from launching at this point. Mm. They did this massive- Disney Plus, the Twitter account, did this massive long thread. That they
1: don't need to. I'm already hooked with the Liz McGuire announcement. It's totally. Fine.
2: And the first still of that came out as well. Mm. Oh, I know. <laughs> but they individually tweeted over 600 movies and TV shows that will be on Disney Plus on so day obnoxious. 1. <laughs> starting from literally Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, yeah. the original Disney feature film, an animated feature film, and then just in chronological that order poor all the way up that to had the to decorates. sit there and just press. I was tweet, watching it happen live. Tweet tweet <laughs> I'm sure they had oh, some. Oh, that would have been fascinating
1: to watch live, bro. Well, no, no, it kind of was. You've got a like full-time job. What are you watching it live
2: for? Because it was happening as I was on the, and it's like, you it just kept, I'm follow Disney Plus on there, so it just kept <laughs> giving me shows. And it was interesting to go through it and go, oh, wow, that's something I haven't thought about mm. in years. And what I'd recommend is if you're curious as what's on there, there's every chance it is. It's surprising how little Marvel stuff is on there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Very few of the Marvel movies, most of them, it seems, are tied in with other streaming services at the moment, but mm-hmm. they will make their way there eventually. Yep. But if over the last 80 years there's something from Disney that you hope is on there, mm-hmm. I'll put another link in our show notes to an article that lists it all. This is a good... Oh, cont- Cadet
1: Kelly, another Hilary Duff classic. Go I on.
2: I That might be in there. Oh, uh, it will be. At Control-F, do a find or search for the thing you're looking for. You'll be able to find it that way. It's it's extensive, this list. Excellent. Uh, meanwhile, mm-hmm. HBO Max has had a media blowout. So, this is the HBO streaming service mm-hmm. that is coming to compete, with Disney Plus and Netflix, et cetera, right? So, what do we know now? It's launching on May, in May 2020. So, it's about- Ages away. Six months away. Sure, a while away. But not that far away. It will be $14.99 US a month. Too much. That compares to Disney Plus, which is $7 US a month. And Netflix is currently $8.99 a month for the basic plan, but $15.99 a month for the top tier. So it competes with Netflix in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a fuck ton of stuff on there, let's just say. Um, (laughs) They've dropped... The Jane Goldman Naomi Watts led Game of Thrones prequel that was planned—they already shot a pilot for it—that's gone. So,
1: That would have been the D and D. Yep, that would have top? been D and D news.
2: Yep. Instead, they've announced House of Dragons, a Game of Thrones prequel series about the Targaryens, based on George R. R. Martin's book Fire and Blood. I'm not familiar Wait, with Wait, so
1: the Naomi Watts one is done?
2: But they've got another one they've announced about the Targaryens. So. I think it was like the day before or the same day we found out the Naomi Watts one was cancelled. Right. And there's another one that's also a prequel series that's also about Targaryens, I think.
1: That's very confusing.
2: Very confusing. Maybe they
1: just hate Naomi Watts. Maybe <laughs> they do. It's just the same thing, but without her. So, they just pretend to drop the whole thing.
2: I saw something on Twitter the other day. Someone uh, was quoting um, David David Fincher, the Twin Peaks guy. Um
1: David Lynch. David
2: Lynch. Thank you. Get those two confused sometimes. Just their names.
1: There's lots of Davids around. That's there funny. are
2: plenty of Davids, and he. They were saying he cursed Naomi Watts because apparently he told her that if you are, you know, in the pictures are held by King Kong, you'll be a star forever. It's like, what, <laughs> Naomi Watts? she feels like she's really been, sad. Yeah, it is a bit sad. Sad yeah. she hasn't quite uh, taken off the way she might have. Anyway. Got I f- mean,
1: she's still pretty big and she was amazing in The Loudest Voice recently. Oh, and right. she was great in We've, that. So.
2: Who else was in that? Her um, career
1: is doing fine. Let's not feel sorry for anyone.
2: Russell, Russell Crowe. That's yeah. right. Uh, so... They have a, they've got exclusive streaming rights to Sesame Street, meaning I think it means it will still be on free-to-air, but they're going to have the streaming rights to Sesame Street.
1: Yeah, so what they're doing is they're first airing on that service and then airing on PBS. Ah, so they're still go. available because there was a big like, oh my God, they're removing it from like public access. I'm like, They're not. They're just like, you get it first on HBO and then you get it on And PBS.
2: if you want to... Stream it whenever you want. Yeah. Do it through HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a library of Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera classic cartoons and some brand new content from those brands as well. There's a Mindy Kaling college girls com- comedy. Elizabeth Banks is making a DC superhero high comedy series. Cool. A Green Lantern show from Greg Berlanti, who's behind CW's Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, mm. etc. Because we need more of that. Uh, every DC movie from the last decade and every Batman Superman movie of the last 40 years. It's a very specific amount of time. Uh, HBO classic so- shows such as Sopranos, Sex and the City, as you'd expect, mm-hmm. plus their ongoing shows like Westworld and Barry and new shows. HBO movies such as Lord of the Rings, The Matrix, Gremlins, a Hero Mirai adaptation of the no- novel Station 11. I don't know what Station 11 is, but I love Hero Mirai. So I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. He's directed episodes, of, I think, most of Atlanta. Mm. and uh-huh. quite a few episodes of Barry.
1: Oh, both shows we loved. All right. Both shows we cool. loved. Cool.
2: Loved, loved his stuff. He's done, like, Charlie Gambino things. Uh, he did This America mm-hmm. and Guava Island. Guava Island, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I haven't seen that. Did you say Elizabeth Banks had a show?
2: Yes, Elizabeth Banks has a show called DC Superhero High, which is a comedy series. Mm. From memory, the description was, like, uh, it was about, like, all these superheroes from the DC universe that you know. Like learning to have powers, but they don't know they're going to become like the superheroes later. It's like a, you know, it's like Smallville, but with a lot of I don't know. Well, I just Teen f- Titans thinking, I guess, but a comedy.
1: I recently comedy yes. watched her in a
2: film. Yes.
1: Um, which I didn't know she was in. It was the, it was from a couple of years ago. The new Power Rangers film.
2: Oh yeah, she plays Maria Repulsa. Repulsive. Yeah.
1: First of all, I was watching it with my housemate. And we were not sober and we wanted to watch something dumb. Sounds like
2: the right thing to watch. Yeah, it
1: really was. We loved it. I really want to... And she's really good as Rita, but also it was hilarious to us because we both grew up watching Power Rangers, After
2: 10,000 years, I'm free! But
1: forgot that her name was Rita. May <laughs> just made us laugh quite a lot. But Elizabeth Banks was very good as Rita, so...
2: I, uh, yeah. I'm keen to see that. I was a massive Power Rangers fan. And I my think, childhood. like,
1: I thought it was a perfect way to do a Power Rangers movie... In this day and age. It was like... It was fun. It was stupid. Tongue in cheek. It was. I thought it was really good. That's I still need to on see that.
2: the Bumblebee movie. Um, yeah. Because... I haven't seen it. I, I, apparently, it's the best of the Transformers live-action movies. Mm. And that's not that hard. No. But I need to give that a watch. Uh, also on HBO Max. Every episode of The West Wing. A curated library of classic movies from TCM. Including including Casablanca, The Shining, Seeking the Rain, etc. A new musical series called Grease Rydell High. That sounds hilarious. Yep. Uh, Four new hour-long adventure time specials. Mm. We thought that show was over. Apparently not. Exclusive streaming rights to South Park and Rick and Morty. Also, Mm. HBO Max has been trademarked in Australia, meaning it is possible, though far from certain, that the streaming service may come down under. When that would happen, who knows? What would that mean for Foxtel? Who gives a shit?
1: Exactly. Fuck you, Foxtel. Absolute racket. <laughs> the price that they charge for the service they provide because they have this fucking monopoly. It's disgusting. Their service is shit. What they offer is shit. Fuck them and fuck Rupert Murdoch. That's what I have to say about Foxtel. Thank you.
2: S- so that's not helpful if we ever want to get screens uh, screeners from Foxtel. But sure, let's move. Let's no, go I stamp,
1: that. I don't want their fucking screeners. Fuck them.
2: <laughs> let's think about this for a second. So mm. we've discussed that. HBO Max in the States is going to cost about as much for the top service of Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. For the top st- version. Top version of Netflix in Australia is nineteen ninety nine a month. I know yep. that because I pay for it. Yeah. So, that would mean HBO Max would be around about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe slightly cheaper, maybe around that. How would you feel about paying approximately $20 a month for HBO Max every month?
1: Um, I don't know. I'd probably have to go... I know you've just listed a bunch off, but I'd probably have to go through what they actually offer.
2: Sure. I commit to that much? Think about HBO in general, you know, Watchmen, Barry, like mm. the stuff that we watch on there. Which can is we just share a an account,
1: please?
2: I think that would be the go. Like that's <laughs> yeah. how I do our stuff. I'd like, only pay 10 Netflix. bucks a month. Yeah, sure. like, you pay 10, or maybe five, you split between four people, assuming mm, you can have multiple accounts. Yeah. That's how I, I would do that. And I would feel so good to never have to pay for freaking Foxtel mm-hmm. ever again. Agreed. Uh, lastly, while we're talking about streaming wars, because boy, it's heating up. We talked last time about- <laughs> Boy,
1: it's heating up. Yeah.
2: But, well, we are getting there. <laughs> like, when Disney Plus launches in mere days, mm. the, like, we've been used to it being Netflix. This is our
1: generation's world war. You know what I mean? Like, it's really that level. And I, I'm glad we're taking it this
2: seriously. Go on. I'm thinking of it like, you know, there was like, well, I think it was the Thursday night comedy war. I think Wars we might be the greatest generation ever lived. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, God. Just the new neo boomers. <laughs> Great. Uh, we talked last time about NBC streaming service Peacock. Well, yeah, apparently-
1: it makes me laugh at no. Amazing but I'm enough. glad it's not like NBC Plus extra mild I, deliciousness I, whatever the fuck. NBC. Yeah.
2: yeah, it is. Theory or the the rumor is it may be free, but supported by commercials. So the idea mm. would be that you can choose to watch it for free with shows. Uh, in, or interrupted content... Sorry, content interrupted by ads, or... Like you pay Spotify. A, or you pay a subscription fee to remove I think ads. that is great. Considering... To give a,
1: people access who don't have the money to pay for it, to give them at least an option, I think that's wonderful.
2: I think they've looked at the apocalypse that is before <laughs> us with Netflix, HBO Max, mm. uh, Disney+, Plus, etc.,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and have gone, we need to be different. Mm-hmm. We need to consider ourselves still an option... And the idea of having, you know, come in pay, watch for free with some ads or if you really like what we're offering, pay a subscription fee. Yeah. It's pretty smart. Because if they so. went, we're going to be $8 a month as well or whatever it might be, I think they'd lose. Yes, like, absolutely. They would. they would get their asses kicked in that yeah. realm. Uh, so that's a But they're a smart still getting
1: move. those beautiful uh, commercial dollars, which is good. Exactly. Makes well sense. Well done, Them,
2: I think that's wonderful. If You should do that, NBC Peacock. You've, you're on the money there.
0: hmm
2: Damask, what have you been watching?
0: I have
1: started watching the new Queer Eye season.
2: Queer Eye in Japan.
1: That's it. They are in Japan this time. Um, I've only watched the first three episodes and it's really, really good. I mean, it's obviously very similar to what they do in America, but we do have some cultural differences. Mm. I first was like, oh, it's interesting to go to Japan, obviously, because they're not like... Huge fans of gay people, mm-hmm. um, but
2: apparently they're very, very popular in Japan, right? Like, I think gay queer- people,
1: yeah, queer eye in
2: particular, <laughs> I think is.
1: Well, that's what I came to uh, assume, at least from what the show was showing me. It was like, mm. oh, they seem to be like well known, and they've got all these like Japanese celebrities on and stuff. So I would assume that yeah, they are quite popular. Um, the first episode so far is my favourite. I've
2: watched the first two, and that first episode is oh. terrific.
1: It's just like so beautiful. And it, this woman on it is just light, just absolute light. And it was. Just- it just filled me with so much joy, as queer eye often does, and yeah, I thought I think it's a really good idea for them to kind of jump around internationally, you know, expose their wider audience to different cultures and experiences and perspectives. I liked it. I
2: was going to ask, who do you think this series is made for? Does it feel like it's been made for an American or an English speaking audience, or do you feel like it's being made more for a Japanese audience?
1: American audience i don't think it's it doesn't feel made like well it depends because maybe what they're seeing in japan is slightly different in the sense that they don't have these like little kind of educational moments as mm-hmm. to like the culture or traditions and that type of thing um yeah i mean yeah i I assumed it was for a Western audience.
2: I think I think it's aimed to do both, but mm. I think there is a deliberate effort to make it to really appeal to a Japanese audience. Mm-hmm. There's moments along the way um, where they've, I, uh, uh, sp- people who would, could speak both languages are speaking Japanese, mm-hmm. and so it's like which is, with subtitles, which is no problem at all. But I think it's not, especially American audience don't mean to. Uh, our here are famous for not necessarily loving things with subtitles and so to encourage that suggests that's aiming more to the japanese market maybe but also the way that the boys um there's bits at the end of the episode in particular which i think they're being very cute with the languages or cute with learning the language Mm -hmm. showing they're making an effort deliberately too short of it's not a peas, but and like it, even like, like
1: yeah, those little scripture moments where they speak Japanese. It feels like watching a Japanese TV show. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I think it's them yeah, trying to appeal to that demographic, mm. which I don't think is anything wrong with. I don't think it's like which I think it makes sense a bad taste or anything. If you
1: had previously not watched the show before and you were a Japanese person, yeah. you might be like, oh, well, they're in Japan. I want to check out like what they're doing here or whatever exactly. it might be. So you would certainly watch it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that's that's. That's in equal measures it's there. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it is interesting watching the first episode. One of the things that's interesting, I think, about it is, especially the first episode, as much as it's my favourite of the two I've seen so far, there's this feeling that the (laughs) – like, it's edited around the interpreter, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's, like, this disconnect that you can feel between the cuts where they say something, and interpreters then come in and said that to the person – the the person they're talking to is talked back to them in the language they interpreted back to them. And it's like, you know the nodding and stuff they normally do? So I they're...
1: assume they had earpieces.
2: No, you can because at the end of one episode they show you the interpreter.
1: Yeah, no, I know. And she's got like a little earpiece and a microphone on. Yeah,
2: no, I don't think they've got earpieces in. I think I think it's happening live from behind the camera mm. most of the time. Um, I could be wrong, mm. but even if it's even if there is an earpiece, it's not one to one. Yeah, no. Like so there's yeah. this delay. And so I just I'm watching them like nod and like agree and especially I'm going to single out Anthony here Anthony talks so deliberately and slightly patronizing in the first episode I was like it's a cool guy you got the interpreters doing the work for you you don't have to it mm. felt just so you he, could feel that like awkwardness of how do we approach this Can I say this.
1: though I think this is Anthony's best season
2: Oh really I find
1: him to be connecting more with people um, than in previous seasons. You know, I
2: think you're right about yeah. that. Actually, and he seems
1: like so much warmer, and I don't know. Like I, I found him to be really engaging and yeah, quite lovely to a lot of the
2: people so far. There was yeah. a slight awkwardness in the, but maybe it was just the first episode. I imagine it must be really weird when you've probably got a bit of a flow going about how you do this to have mm. this stop-start nature just to adjust to that a little bit. Mm. It's great though. Really enjoying yeah. it. Well, she's been watching.
1: Um, I am, I think I'm about halfway through a Netflix show called Daybreak. It's a, I guess, a teen dramedy. It takes place in the apocalypse. Uh A recent apocalypse has taken place. Everyone over the age of 18 is dead, um, except for, as far as we know, in the first episode, one person. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I saw some reviews before. People don't love it. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I think it's got a great sense of humor. Um, I enjoyed its fast-paced nature. And I just thought it was like a really interesting teen show as opposed to maybe some of the other stuff that's on TV. Um, looking at you, Riverdale. I don't know. I just, I just thought it had it, – it treated its audience with intelligence. Okay. And, I, I yeah, I thought it was really fun. So, I yeah, I recommend watching at least the first episode. See if you like it. I know it's a teen show, mm. but – I really enjoyed it. And I actually questioned while I was watching it. I was like, is this for young people or is it for people, I was going to say old people, I guess that is me, (laughs) uh, old people to kind of like have a bit of a giggle at teen culture. And then it made me go, oh, it's actually probably quite similar to something like Heathers in which it's this kind of heightened version of teen culture that is probably both funny to those outside of it and in it which I thought was cool.
2: I haven't seen a single frame of it. I've seen the trailer. I've mm. seen it. I not oh, I did it. clarify.
1: I meant Heather's the original movie. Yes. Not the
2: show. Yeah. Did the one criticism I came across on the internet, I'm just mm-hmm. putting this out there as devil's advocate because I saw, I saw this out there, just wanted your opinion on it, mm-hmm. uh, was a suggestion that maybe the main character shouldn't be the main character, that they're the wrong <clears throat> focus point of this. There may be other characters that would have been better as our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Does that? Does I agree, that but the show acknowledges
1: that. Oh, does it? Okay. Um, and I think, and it purposely shifts perspective the further you go in to the show. So while that absolutely is a is a jumping off platform, and to to be fair, I haven't finished the season yet, um, so it might be a full arc with him. We might refocus with him towards the end. Sure. Um, but as the uh, yeah, when we get towards this the middle of the show, there it very much says like, yeah, it shouldn't be about that guy. Here's a different perspective. Here comes another episode, a different perspective, that type of thing. So we explore the characters around him as well. And I think they're interesting and really well formed and fully formed, yeah.
2: Is this an Orange of the New Black scenario where you had to have it about a white woman be, just yeah. to get it made? Yeah. Isn't that sad? Uh, what else you got on the platter there, de
1: Um I've got a podcast this mm. time around. Uh, it's very good. It's called Root of Evil. And it is about um, two sisters who their mum was adopted and then um, later in life she found her family, um, her her birth mum. And a very, very interesting family, um, the patriarch of which was a very famous doctor who was suspected of being the Black Dahlia murderer. Oh. Um, so it goes into that. Uh, their biological uncle, very famous um, LA homicide detective. He retires. He finds out that he didn't know. He finds out his dad was a suspect. He begins investigating it to prove obviously that his dad is innocent. Um, Doesn't really seem like he is.
2: Ooh. It's
1: very, very interesting. Um, obviously, it has a huge like true crime um, component to it, which is mm-hmm. I love that stuff, really interesting. But it's really about like generational trauma and like family intricacies. Like that's very much the focus of the podcast. It's really good. It's Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's called Root of Evil.
2: So is the form of this is, because when you talk about true crime stuff, there's Mm. a couple of different versions of that. There's like yeah. your two people sit down and do it like us where they just discuss a case. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's not that. It's more like it's a manicured mm-hmm. narrative Very like much. a serial or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so
1: we've uh Yeah, we have a, a narrative. There are like a little bits of particular the top of an episode mm-hmm. with the two sisters talking. It's mostly interviews, um mm-hmm. and recounting of incidents um and things like that. Yeah. And obviously with a a narrative element uh, that the two ladies, yeah, narrate.
2: Cool. Root of Evil, the podcast. Mm. Uh, I thought we might get some time to talk about Unbelievable as well, the Netflix Mm -hmm. series. You've watched it all. I I haven't yet. Maybe we'll leave that for another day. Maybe even a review. Mm. Might be worth talking about as a full episode. Wouldn't
1: mind that. Um, I highly recommend people watch it if they haven't already. Sure. Huge trigger warning though. Huge.
2: Especially the first episode from what I can tell. The
1: first couple of really, really hard to watch sexual um, assault, pre sexual assault, in particular, uh, it's and it is a great story because it it's written by women, um, created by women, so it's very much uh, from the female perspective. Yeah. Um, however, I will say in watching it, it is very realistic, mm. um, and from a female survivor's perspective, and that I think will be hugely triggering for a lot of people. So, just be warned if you're in any way sensitive to that or could be triggered by it, do not watch it. Do not watch it.
2: It's at times almost clinical. Like, it's so much about the process and the systems around, Mm -hmm. like how sexual assault is reported, investigated, Mm. all that sort of stuff. It's very much commenting on that as yeah. much as it's about the experience of women yes. who have been through sexual assault. Yeah, but
1: like the It's really
2: interesting. Yeah,
1: this specific part I'm talking about, it's just the flashbacks. The rest of it yeah. is not like that and I think something really valuable yeah. um to watch. So yeah, if you're not triggered by that stuff, or you think you can handle it, watch it absolutely because what is there is so good. Yep. But just a very serious, a very serious
2: warning. And it's got Tony Collette and other great actresses.
1: <laughs> Would you like me to tell Please, you the yes. other actresses? Yeah, face. who else is on it? Um, Caitlin Dever
2: from Booksmart.
1: Booksmart. That's it. And Merritt Weaver, who well, I've are- not seen before. I have seen her in The Walking Dead. Proof's oh,
2: oh, there you go. She played
1: a lesbian in that.
2: Hey. Spoilers,
1: and then she died, and I was like, "Fuck this show." Anyway,
2: okay. Uh, and apparently, you've watched a couple more episodes of Batwoman. Is that right?
1: I have. Yes, <laughs> it's um, d- it it didn't get better. <laughs> um, I'm still gonna keep going because I'm committed. Oh I'm committed to this bit. Um, committed
2: to this bit. Good. <clears throat> I appreciate that. I really do.
1: And, well, I said in my review of the first episode that Ruby Rose is not cat awful. Yeah. I'd like to issue a retraction. <laughs> oh, um, no. No, <laughs> no, I'm not going to be too mean. But um, I guess the only thing is that when I am watching someone perform mm. as an actor, generally what I enjoy is their ability to emote like a human. Um now, that can come in many forms, whether it be happiness or <laughs> sadness or somewhere in the middle of it. Because I think that's a spectrum. The,
2: the, just mm. think of the array of emojis. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, whether you want like my personal favorite, the cool emoji with the geek glasses, you want the angry face, you want the exploding <laughs> brain, you want a big old cheesy smile, whatever you want. Like, that's what I want in an actor. Um
2: And Ruby Rose is just the face with the two eyes Hmm. and no mouth. Just completely blank expression.
1: Ruby Rose is a smashed phone on the floor (laughs) um, dropped in a toilet. You know, like it's just, there's nothing. She's, it's really frustrating (laughs) to watch someone be given such an amazing opportunity, right? The first like, well, I think there might have been another queer superhero um in one of the other CW shows. Sure. Anyway, leading but uh, one, leading, absolutely. Mm. Um, and played by a queer person. I, I think in a previous episode where I talked about Batwoman, I said that she was a queer woman. Yes. Um she is gender fluid. Oh. So I apologize for that. There you go. So a queer person to um take up that mantle and, you know, represent and all that stuff. I would have loved someone who was a talented actor, to do that. And it continues to frustrate me that she is given these incredible opportunities and she's terrible. And I said I wasn't going to be mean and I've really taken a turn, but she's not good. And look, I hope she gets better. I really do. But She's real pretty still. They are – I think I've been using female pronouns. I apologise. I I really apologise. They are very attractive. yes. You can be a model. You can be many things. doesn't mean you can emote human emotions because you cause they can't. Right. They can't. And it's frustrating. It's very, very frustrating.
2: That's, t- how, that's what I feel about that. On mm. the conversation of emojis, mm-hmm. Um, you talked about that huge spectrum, your favorite one. You know what one's still not on there? And it frustrates me to this day because there are uh, emoji updates a couple of times a year.
1: Mm.
2: A happy tear there's uh, all i want is a smile emoji oh, yeah. with a tear because i feel mm. that emotion a lot mm. it's one of pride it's one of like you know a happy cry yeah it does not exist on the emoji spectrum and it really annoys me why is that so hard yeah. all i want is my my happy tear emoji mm. is that too much to ask
1: oh this actually oh this connects many of the things that we, well two of the things we've been speaking about <laughs> so i i when you write like celebrate or whatever in um in your little iPhoney mm-hmm. and it has this Party Popper image of like it's like these two
2: oh, cups yeah.
1: opening and streamers coming out.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, Oh, obviously that's like woohoo, like yeah. party or whatever. I didn't know what that thing was until I watched Queer Eye. Oh, In that first you know. episode, they do it when they yeah, like open yeah, yeah. up her house. And I did it and I went, oh, my God, that's the emoji. And it blew my mind. It blew my head emoji.
2: Yeah. There you go. I wanted to ask you before we move on. i have only got a little bit to talk about here. Mm. We have had a podcast. I did a podcast with Hannah who came on as a guest. And we did two podcasts on Big Little Lies. Yes. You've watched season one. I did. Did you watch season two? I can't remember. I did. What? I just wanted your general thoughts. Do you have to go into deep mm, detail? I
1: watched it a million years ago. Oh, okay. Like everyone else. Do you
2: remember else. your feelings on season one and or two? I, Big I
1: really enjoyed season one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was cool. I did not enjoy season two nearly as much. Um, yeah, I found it much more frustrating. It, I thought it was disjointed. Mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate. So I, I think what was really interesting about the first season is that it's really about these women who are kept separate by you know societal expectations and all of these things. And mm-hmm. it's fascinating to watch them slowly realize that all, all the things in their lives that are keeping them separate are toxic and that they're stronger together. Totally. Right? And that's amazing. And then in season two, what do they do? They separate them all and they have individual journeys and
2: No no no. They have meetings in cars Ugh. very occasionally the last two minutes. About
1: about the way that season one ends and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no real development of relationship. Sure. Um and I found that really annoying. I also thought it was a shame because I was looking forward to um Zoe Kravitz's character having more to do. I was mm-hmm. like, cool. I didn't give a shit about that storyline at all. And I wanted to, mm. but it just seems so like, like I guess superfluous when it shouldn't be because really when you look at it on paper, it seems like it would be very integral to it, but it didn't. And I get that like, you know, Meryl Streep takes up a lot of space, a lot of room just through presence alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you want to give her as much to do as you can. Um, Though
2: though her performance is not like she could have been like scene chewing with that character.
1: Oh, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just simply by the fact that she is just by Meryl Streep. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was quite disappointing. I didn't really like it very much. Yeah.
2: Fair enough. Uh, And did you have any thoughts on the Emmys as well? It's the other thing we discussed that we didn't get a chance to. I didn't
1: watch them.
2: Didn't. Neither did I. But did you have? I
1: think I was too busy.
2: Do you remember any of the winners or anything like I that? Don't oh, okay. all, <laughs> I don't at all.
1: Sorry.
2: bridge won a couple. I don't have all any
1: those. cold takes for you.
2: Very cold <laughs> takes. Uh, speaking of cold takes, I recently got to watch A Quiet Place. That uh, you know, season of Halloween in October. Do you remember a Quiet Place? The Emily Blunt and John. Krasinski? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I told yeah, you I Stone Cold. I watched this is it. Yeah, I really year. enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I I am hot and cold on it. Mm. I did like uh, the very easy and uh, powerful. I just terrifi- remembered how it
1: ended. Sorry, go on. Sure, mm-hmm.
2: terrifying concept. Like it's it, as far as like a monster or an idea for a horror film. Yeah. Very, very effective. Very cool. You can't yeah. make sound. They'll monsters will hear you and get you. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. That but was the
1: brief, yeah. Basically,
2: that's the pitch. <laughs> Elevator yeah. pitch. Uh monsters, they hear you, they get Better you. Better
1: shut up, they're coming for you. <laughs> oh too. Yep. That should
2: mm. be the tagline. Mm. Also,
1: uh, one of like, I think, the strongest film openings that I've seen in a very long time.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty cool opening. Mm. Um I and I well, that's part of the reason I liked it as well, because apart from the monsters being effective, the very Focus on the small family dynamic is mm. really, really strong as well. Um, it didn't try to explain everything, which I really appreciate too. And it only goes for an hour and a half. Like, Beautiful. thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I want to sit down and watch on Amazon or wherever it was. Stand whatever it was on mm. with my girlfriend in October. Watch a horror film. Oh, we haven't seen The Quiet Place yet. Hour and a half. It's done. Perfect. Mm. Why didn't love? Oh, here we go. No, which is not a big deal. It's coming
1: for you, John Krasinski.
2: During the the movie, it was upsetting. Mm. It has a very straightforward concept and set of rules, mm-hmm. but when you when they're that plain and straightforward, mm. it makes me ask a lot of questions. The film didn't seem to be capable of, w- or willing to answer. My big one: why? The I just wish go. they explained this. I just <laughs> wish there was a second to discuss. I hate to be in your brain, this. broad. Go I on, know.
1: yeah.
2: Why? Why did they why do they decide to have this baby? right? That's mm-hmm. my question. Mm-hmm. Now' that, there's, there's probably a, there's lots of, there's actually lots of explanations for that, right? Mm-hmm. Why a family would want to have a baby? Mm-hmm. All I want is a little discussion, some sort of communication between our two leads as to why they thought in a world where monsters that will get you if you make <laughs> sound exist, yeah. why you think yes we should try to keep this baby mm-hmm. or have this baby? Mm. That's all I wanted. Just to, it just frustrates me that there was. How not, would they get rid of it? Well, they went to a drugstore earlier. They oh, could that's have, plan B. Yeah, right. There are there are things you could do, mm. right? If you thought this is too dangerous, mm. they also got pregnant after the apocalypse started, right? <laughs> so I'm not saying that you can't accidentally get pregnant, mm-hmm. but I just any discussion as to it was too late when we found out we couldn't have just. Anything, because mm. at some stage you've made a deliberate choice to keep this baby, mm-hmm. or you've run out of options to not get rid of this. I'm sorry, sounds a bit harsh, get rid of this baby. But it's a world with fucking monsters that will kill you if you make sound. <laughs> like just a little discussion about that. There mm. was not that's frustrating me a little bit. Anyway, okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Oh, that was it. That that I mean, there was actually lots of little things along the way of like that. There was that.
1: Oh, I would hate to watch. <laughs> So many movies with you, anyway.
2: but that one—that one because that one, I thought it was deeply rooted in the like the core mm. of the story is having this child. Just need to discuss the pros and cons about having a baby in a world with monsters. Will get you if mm. you make sound. Anyway, I've started to watch Star Trek: The Next Generation for the first time properly. Real to do this, this is all on Netflix, by the way. To do this, I'm doing this because I want to try and catch up a little bit before I watch Picard. I'm quite interested in Picard, mm. but it's obviously based off a lot of material from the Next Generation. Um, so How would, many seasons are there? Like eight or something That's off the too top many of my me. head. I'm
1: going to watch a recap on YouTube. So, mm. here's
2: the beauty of it though. I am using a system to watch oh, them. God. I'm not watching every episode. There is an article that I will link in the show notes that is like a fan who has rated each episode between one and five and basically makes a suggestion on whether you should it's skip skippable. Maybe watch, watch, must watch, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm choosing to watch anything with a three and up, basically. Or there are some that they rate as like a two, but they're really important from a continuity perspective. Right. So, like in season one, I only got had to watch like four or five episodes. And I was like, okay, cool. And I felt like I was keeping up mm-hmm. and didn't miss anything important. Season two is similar. There's maybe four, five, six episodes in there. I'm only halfway through season two so far, early days, but in terms of trying to watch a show that's got over 100 episodes or whatever it is, mm. um, just getting cutting out the fat and getting to watch the important stuff has been really enjoyable so far. That's good. Though I will say it's interesting watching this show because it, it, it's set in like the 24th or 25th century or whatever. It, this is not, it's a very different type of show. It's sort of ponderings of the week, you know, it's. Mm. Uh, throws a philosophical or a scientific conundrum at you or whatever, a political conundrum, whatever. It's not like the Star Trek, J.J. Abrams movies, which were all whiz-bang, shoot, 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 or even Star Trek Discovery. The thing that's interesting is these people on the Enterprise are almost alien, even though they're humans, a lot of them. They're so like robotic and almost emotionless. It's very like there was an episode in season one where they sort of defrost a bunch of humans from the 20th century who are the first people I realize have been acting all season like human beings Mm -hmm. who have like (laughs) emotions and like obvious flaws and Mm -hmm. just sort of are a little more irrational and stuff like that to the point where they're recognizably human. Where everybody else sort of walks around and is super Mm. polite and like. It's well, they different. come from,
1: like, a world of, like, you know, rationality. And, like, that is the utmost And they don't thing. have poverty.
2: They mention this to these 20th century mm. humans. They don't have poverty. They don't have needs or, or every want is being fulfilled that no one needs, like, to hoard wealth and stuff like mm. that. But it does make them very, like, I don't recognize you as a person. <laughs> yeah. You're not a human being I've ever met before. Mm. But I'm enjoying the show so far. I look forward They're to watching more of it.
1: aspirational characters.
2: They are aspirational, yeah. if somewhat. I'm familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also been rewatching Kath and Kim. This is an Australian mm, ABC comedy. I did
1: that recently, yeah. So this show was on ABC for a very long for three seasons and it was a huge hit.
2: Great comedy series. Um, female like, centric. Yeah. Lyrics. A public
1: broadcaster. And then yep. um they moved to a commercial broadcaster, Channel 7, and the quality Rapidly declines. I have to watch it because really I don't does. remember. Because why I was, it was so like, I'm, I, I probably wasn't that bad. And then I started watching it, I was like, it's not the It, re, it really, truly is not the same yep. at all. It's got such a different feeling to it. Um, first three seasons, mwah, perfection. My favorite is, I think it's in season one when um, Kath thinks her daughter Kim is a lesbian. It's very good. Is that in season one? I'm pretty sure it's in season okay, one. Okay, sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or it's
1: one of my favorite episodes I think. It's amazing.
2: What's interesting watching this again. It's been a while since I've watched it. Mm. And it was one of those things where I'm like, was this just a part of Australian history where we were just laughing at anything it wasn't really that funny. Sure we know the like look at Mo, look at me catch phrases and all that sort of stuff. Maybe it wasn't that funny really. Wrong. It's all it's, it's great. So funny. It's still great. <laughs> It's still really, it's really, an really funny. classic. It is so and, funny. And we've had listeners ask about stuff they'd recommend, particularly from Australia, because we mm. did please like me a while back. Kath and Kim is a show I reckon it's worth trying. However, I can't guarantee it will translate for everybody. It is very not just Australian centric, is very Melbourne specific. <laughs> As people who live in Melbourne, we didn't live in Melbourne when the, the show was originally no, on. We're actually no. in Bendigo at the time. Yeah. But as people live in Melbourne now, it's really funny to hear people talk about mm, Glenn Waverley and Fountain there, yeah. Gate and, like, all this sort of stuff. Mm. The-
1: well, there was one moment oh. where um, – so, one of the characters, he owns, like, a butcher shop in a shopping mall and he's going to, like, the mall awards or whatever, the shopper of the year. Yes. The shop of the year. And there's one – there's a, a homosexual gentleman that owns, like, a suit store. yes, And he wins an award and he goes – Oh, and this goes out to the boys at the Peel, which is a gay club just around the corner from my house that I didn't, obviously didn't get as um, a, a tween, nor would I have gotten it even as an adult, unless I lived here yeah. and I knew what the Peel was, but it made me laugh quite a lot. So,
2: that maybe does sound a little bit too specific <laughs> uh, location-wise. But also,
1: you would know that he was talking about a gay club and talking about the boys at the gay club. Sure. So.
2: But it makes me think of like things like people watch like Fargo or something like that. And there's like region specific jokes in there that we can sort of laugh at from afar because, mm-hmm. oh, they're other ish, I guess is what you're laughing at. And people who are in there know, like, huh, that is so whatever region that's mm-hmm. from, you know, stuff like that. And hopefully that translates to Kath and Kim. The other thing that I want to point out, though, is I'm watching this on Netflix mm-hmm. and whoever I like watch a lot. Of Netflix and streaming stuff with subtitles on, because it's nice to just make sure you don't miss anything, right? I would Sometimes do that
1: as well. I watch a lot. of Do it TV a lot, captions.
2: and like especially because I'm living in a household with three other people. Maybe someone's in the kitchen, mm. got the kettle on or whatever. Like, there's yeah. reasons that you, there can be noise and distraction, mm. so. Making sure you get everything, you've got that yeah. reference point I think is I helpful. do it
1: because obviously I grew up with a deaf mom, so we had captions on. So you, and it's just a nice, reassuring thing for me to have on.
2: I find it. yeah, it, it's not distracting at all. It's just a help, sort of. It's yep. just nice support there. And especially when we're reviewing something, I want to make sure I'm not missing content. Mm-hmm. But it's dis- to the point of distraction, how... Inc- how they
1: spell things?
2: It's not spelling. It's like things are downright incorrect. And I don't know whether it's because it's been done cheaply, mostly through an algorithm, like Mm. it's been automatically done. I don't know whether there's someone who is not familiar with the content. I don't know if it's because maybe someone who is not Australian and doesn't quite understand... What they're hearing, they're putting on pretty interesting accents anyway, these characters, mm. but they are constantly getting things wrong. There's an ongoing joke in the show that they missay say words, mm. like they will use the incorrect word. Um, they'll say something like, instead of saying body language, they'll say body English. Yeah. That's not one you get wrong. But one that comes up a lot a lot is instead of saying specific, they say Pacific. Yeah. But the subtitles say specific. Aww. It's like, no, that is a very particular a joke. <laughs> word joke. Mm. Don't correct it. That's and what so it
1: much of Catherine Kim is wordplay. Is
2: a lot of his yeah. wordplay. And so when the subtitles are getting it wrong, I'm just... It's it's frustrating because mm. people who maybe are hearing impaired yeah, that sucks. cannot participate in the jokes mm. when this is not correct. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Netflix, if you're listening, or Jane Turner, Gina Riley. I don't know who I talk to. I would do it for free. I would go through this show and correct these goddamn subtitles. That'd be fun, actually. Because it sh- it needs to be corrected. It is so frustrating and it's a disservice to this show. It deserves to be properly yeah. transcribed for subtitles. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so annoying. Uh, lastly, I did want to quickly talk about a couple of video essays that I've watched recently. Cool. Um, from I Lin- love a video essay. From Lindsay Ellis, who I think we've talked about before.
1: Yes, big fans.
2: But she's had a couple of come out, I want to say this Just year. To,
1: I, we've mentioned it before, but her series on The Hobbit is very good.
2: Very, very good. Very good. I think very, it's two or good. three. I about three. the three. She
1: goes to New Zealand for fun. She does. It's great. She's anyway. a massive
2: fan of Lord of the Rings, yeah. like everybody. And she was not impressed by The Hobbit. Like everybody. Everybody. <laughs> and it's a good explanation as to not just why that is, but what went wrong. Mm. And some of the backstory. Yeah, it. the
1: backstory of like what behind the scenes stuff was. Fascinating. Really good. Anyway, sorry, go on.
2: But she's had a couple of other ones that come out this year that I've liked that I wanted to bring up. Uh she had two videos on Game of Thrones called mm-hmm. We Need to Talk About Game of Thrones, I guess, and the last of the Game of Thrones hot takes.
1: I believe I watched those, yeah. Which
2: together go for nearly two hours. Yeah. They're great breakdowns of the things that went wrong from a storytelling perspective and how they misheld the characters in the last season. Like as she wrote, it's what the last of the Game of Thrones hot takes. This has been discussed to death, Mm -hmm. but I really appreciate her perspective and how she presented these ideas. Mm -hmm. I think she was spot on with everything she said. Um,
1: I think she's got a great sense of humor and she's fair. Like she's not being like she's generally not vitriolic or anything. She's like these are the things that went wrong. I've got a bit of sass about it, but she's yeah. quite
2: sassy, mm. like yeah. She's quite yeah. But she's
1: not gonna be yelling at the screen about how they're fucking
2: morons. No, no, no. Yeah. But it's there's a there's a very deep sense of disappointment there that I think a lot of people can Heartbreak. relate to. Yeah, <laughs> heartbreaking. Similar even. to her
1: Hobbit series,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, her perspectives are generally and in this case are well articulated and very well argued. She also did a video on woke Disney which yeah, examines like the one. motivation behind Disney's modern-day treatment of its classic Disney properties, most notably its live-action remakes, mm-hmm. and that while their on-the-face they're on the messaging is positive, uh, is it just a way to try and justify the existence of these remakes to market more <laughs> merch mm-hmm. and simultaneously sweep away their less-than-great history yep. with things like, you know, racism? <laughs> um, which, as I was watching the essay. I didn't necessarily agree with everything she Mm -hmm. was saying, but by the end of it, she'd done a very good job of arguing me around to very much her perspective. Mm. And the idea that you can still appreciate that maybe the live-action Aladdin does a better job maybe, of like incorporating um, Middle Eastern culture, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily still justify its reason to exist beyond that. And that there's a real cynical undertone behind it. The use, the talk about Dumbo and stuff as well. Mm. In this, I think she's onto something. Yeah, well, I think like like any
1: essay, like she puts forward a position mm. and then like gives you all the ev- evidence to argue for it and then yeah it's up to you whether you're like yes no whatever yeah
2: absolutely um so you can find Lindsay Ellis Lindsay Ellis l -L i s on YouTube and I think that's it for this episode of Off Topic Hot Topic Mm -hmm. uh we will back be back next week to discuss the crown season two. Until then thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now.
0: Bye.